service say Hello, Outsiders. Welcome to Outside the Mic. I'm Jarrett Weimer. And I'm Martin Meyer. And this is a podcast where we banter all matters music. Mostly, we do. Martin. Yes, Jarrett. How goes your day? Okay, fair. That's fair. I get it. Some days I got a buzzer kind of day. Or I like to tell people buzz off. You know what I'm saying? Uh, good morning. We are recording at 7 a.m. today on our recording day. And it's almost 8, but it's a, we started. 7 a.m. is a little more convincing. Like, man, these, guys, these boys are really trying. 8 a.m. is like, okay, so they woke up early. Right. Well, we did get up early. Got up at, well, I hit my snooze. And then I almost didn't hear it when it went off the second time. That's how tired I was this morning. So that's Classic. good. You get that nice low voice. Yeah. See, low I've been I've voice. been prepping. I've been singing and yelling and and stuff. So my voice sounds pretty normal. <laughs> that's a good thing. I offered Jarrett a little bit of this singer's throat spray. Singer's throat <laughs> spray, but he says it puts his urethra to sleep. <laughs> No, not my urethra, my uvula. What's the dangly thing in the back of your... What is the matter with you? <laughs> I don't know which one that is now, and I feel a little embarrassed about that. I hope I didn't just <laughs> say the wrong part of the body. You did definitely say the yeah. wrong part of the body. <laughs> it's it's the uh, your uvula? Uvula, right? Is the little dangly thing in the back of your... Okay. Nobody wants to hear about this, but go <laughs> ahead and get, get, figure it out. <laughs> the urethra. That's the pee hole, man. Tube, no, it's a tube that connects the urinary bladder to the urinary meatus. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Good God. It's uvula. You are correct, Jarrett. Ding, urethra. ding, ding. Oh, my God. What'd she say? Urethra. I'm sorry. Why is she saying it like that? I, did, I don't know, but I didn't mean to interrupt you with the Google girl. So. Yeah. Good morning, Google girl. Good morning. Good morning, outsiders. We had some fun this week. We tried something new. We did a Facebook Live, kind of spontaneous, didn't really tell anybody about it. And man, you guys showed up. We really appreciate everybody coming and hanging out with us. Uh, we are going to plan to do that again um, this following Wednesday, which I guess is going to be, let me look, is that the 16th? I'm looking. Hang tight. Absolutely. And we had, it was a good little test run for sure for me, because obviously when we're tracking our podcast, if we decide to, which fortunately we haven't had to a lot recently, but we can do some edits. If we did something really ridiculous, uh, if we got interrupted or something like that or distracted, we could do an edit. But when you're going live, you can't really do that. And you end up with what you got. And that was pretty, pretty pleased with how it went. I actually had a lot of fun. It was really, for me, what really triggered is once you start to look at the fact that you've got some friends and some outsiders watching and interacting you start to have a lot of fun doing that makes it a different energy than just doing these podcasts where i'm just hanging out with you <laughs> well the feelings are <laughs> mutual there pal but that is going to be on the uh, 16th we'll be doing that um right i'm on. guessing probably around 6 30 in the morning p.m that's oh, p.m goodness not a.m yeah 6 30 start a little bit earlier than the other time we don't want to interrupt your supper no dinner. 
your supper time. Your dinner time? <laughs> In case you aren't aware, that was the poll question that we had, dinner and supper. I think dinner won. Dinner most definitely won. Yeah. I, I feel bad for supper. It's like not called fine things. supping. It's called fine dining. Oh. Dinner. Oh, dine. It would be fine suppering. Okay. I've never heard that before. That's kind of an interesting little take on it. Yeah. We've still got some spins spinning off of that. I've been thinking about it. I have. I've been yeah. thinking not necessarily to argue the point of supper, but definitely to argue the point of it's dinner time. Fine suppering. You got any of them? I'm going to start saying that. Outsider spotlights? I do have some outsider spotlights. Outsider spotlights. I have got, this is, I, you know, I kind of thought about whether or not I should try to scale back this list a little bit, but what the heck, this is fun. We had so many people either participating while we were doing the Facebook Live, or liking, or commenting later, and I think I just need to do the whole list, and I just realized I wrote this, and <laughs> I don't have my reading glasses, but I'm going to give it my best shot anyway. I'll try you, to help. You ready? Should I do it really fast, like the rapper? Eminem? <laughs> Yeah, like Eminem that did how many words in a song? It's like 1,000 and oh, yeah. 800 or something like that. Here we go. Thank you, Outsiders. Brad, Jeff, Kara, Easton, Elsa, Lucy, Barbara M., Barbara L., Chris, Shannon, Will, Josh, Jeremy, Kelly, Brett, Linda, Cicely, Toya, Mary, Michael, Christine. Oh, I already said Cicely. Stacia, Todd, Tom, Sandra, Linda, Skip. Alyssa, Casey, Rochelle, Wendy, Tracy, Lori, Carla, and Carla. I think we had Carla L and Carla E. Wow. Wow. Thank you, outsiders. That's some outsiders right now. You did really good. The only the only one is, I believe, Cecily. You said Cicely. Cecily is that's my mother-in-law. That's the one I wondered about. Thank you. Because I was gonna ask you. I think you did fine, no? Yeah, but that was okay, so it's Cecily. Cecily. That makes sense. Yeah. Your mother in love. She's amazing. Yep. Awesome. Moving right along, we are on uh, This Day in Music, mm. coming straight from thisdayinmusic.com, September 14th, 1955, Little Richard entered a New Orleans recording studio to begin two days of recording. Things were not going well, and during a break, Richard and his producer, Bumps Blackwell, went to the Dew Drop Inn for lunch. Ooh, we have one of those Whoa. in town. Bumps. I think maybe we have a Bumps, too. Bumps. Do we have a Bumps Blackwell? Yeah, I'm not sure, but I'm going to look. <laughs> Richard started playing the piano in the bar like crazy, singing a loud and lewd version of Tutti Frutti. Tutti Frutti! Oh, Rudy! With only 15 minutes left in the session, Richard recorded the song and coined the phrase, a wop bop a loop bop a lop bam boom. Oh, a wop bop a loop bop a bop bop boom. Wow, Jerry. You know how that goes? You do it. You can probably be better at this. Oh, I bop, loot up, bop, bamboo. Something like that. Yeah, I know you that. did good. Yeah, exactly. So, well, he coined that phrase. That's good to know. He coined that phrase. I okay. Guess. That wasn't a phrase before that. I love that phrase. Right. I don't think I could get Google Girl to say that, but I'm not going to even try. <laughs> Let me see how it's spelled. Yeah, it's hard to say it and read it at the same time because you're, you're processing, I, I'm guessing, two different sides of your brain. So he was having a rough time, and then this one... He went to the bar to cut loose. Got it. He did the tutti frutti. To the dewdrop. A wop bop, a loo bop, a lop bam boom. A wop bop, a loo bop, a lop bam boom. That is awesome. <laughs> 
I love uh, any kind of scat singing stuff yeah. that makes it sort of into the uh, in, into the whole language of music is a cool thing. Would you listen to an entire to song if it was just scat, like scat, scatting on some jazz? I think I probably would. Okay. I think there's a song that's come trying to come to mind, but isn't totally coming to mind, but I might mention later. That's one of my favorites that uses a little bit of a scat, too. Mm. That would be a, an actual uh, idea for a segment is songs. Well, we kind of touched on that with Bubba Bubba Bad. Oh, yeah. As well. Something that is not just a spoken word, but becomes either scat singing or improv or something cool that becomes a part of the uh, social consciousness. Maybe that's a season three. Yeah. Uh, we do have to inform y'all that uh, season two is coming to a wrap. Um, we've just got a few yes, episodes left here. We're going to take a, uh, a minimal break, get ready for season three. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on here at the studio, some remodeling and revamping. Um, but let's move on. We've got uh, September 14th, 1968. Roy Orbison's house in Nashville burnt down. His two eldest sons both died in the blaze. Orbison was on tour in the UK at the time of the accident. Oh, man. Wow, what year was that? 1968. Crazy, because I was just... I'm I'm doing a little bit of research for, um, I think, maybe the last episode. But just a little sneak peek, little teaser about the Traveling Wilburys. Oh. And I was reading about Roy Orbison. The so. power band. Yeah, the, the major power band. band. Yeah, do you know who all was in that band? Wasn't it like... Okay, I think I only know it wasn't. I only know two: Dylan and Petty. Yeah, it was Dylan and Petty and George Harrison. Oh wow! I think was the one who probably was sort of the impetus behind the whole thing. Uh, he and Jeff Lynn okay. uh, from ELO were working on his solo album. So we mentioned, yeah, we got Dylan, we got Roy Orbison, you got Tom Petty, you got Jeff Lynne, and you got George Harrison. Wow. Pretty powerful stuff Heck there, yeah. baby. Heck yeah. 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 yeah, baby. September 14th, 1974, Eric Clapton scored a U.S. number one with his version of the Bob Marley song, I Shot the Sheriff, which was first released in 1973 on the Whalers album, Burnin'. Wow. Clapton's version was included on his 1974 album, 461 Ocean Boulevard. Right on. I I was more familiar with Clapton's version for a while. And then later on when I really started to get into Bob Marley mm-hmm. and started to realize that was one of those things where I probably at the time was young enough where I didn't realize and you just thought it was an Eric Clapton song that he sure. wrote. I was uh, I was really digging the Bob Marley version after right. a while. We might even do a little, little chunk of that. We'll see. A little chunk of that. Yeah. September 14th, 1984, David Bowie won Video of the Year from China Girl at the first MTV Video Awards. The song co-written by David Bowie and Iggy Pop during their years in Berlin first appeared on Pop's album The Idiot, released in 1977. The Idiot? The Idiot. Okay, can you... I'm sorry. <laughs> I was distracted. Man, this always happens when you're doing I was this. Saying. I was. Don't um, you know there's going to be a test after this? <laughs> So it's 84, David Bowie won Video of the Year for China Girl. China Girl, got it. Co-wrote that with Iggy Pop during their years in Berlin. Uh Uh-huh. That's in Germany. Yes, thank you. (laughs) First appeared on Pop's album, The Idiot. Yes. Referring to the album. Yeah. The Idiot. Iggy Pop's album, The Idiot. Released in 1977. Got it. I love China Girl. And that was the album that... uh, 
Stevie Ray Vaughan played on. Was it? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I that, didn't know that. Yeah, I'm that a big whole, Stevie I fan. think it was called Let's Dance, the uh, the album. And later on, I was I was sorry to hear in an interview I read that uh, I think, well, it, it sounded like there may have been a little regret on both of their parts a little bit. Not really. Maybe not regret, but maybe it. I think Stevie was on tour for a while and then might have bailed. I'm gonna have to clarify and, and fact check this stuff a little bit. Uh, but it was such a cool sound, the combination. And the way that album was produced with the Bowie's voice and then Stevie Ray whaling away on the guitar. Sure. I, I, I think it was uh, undoubtedly probably one of the most successful albums for David Bowie. And maybe it was that he didn't like that part of it because it was a uh, bit more of a pop, pop, pop. album for him. Good thing of that pop stopper right here. Pop so. filter. But uh, yeah, love the song. Okay, onward. Onward and upward, uh, September 14th, 1994. I love this. U.S. singer Steve Earle was sentenced to one year in jail after being found guilty of possession of crack cocaine. Aww. Well, of course Steve Earle was doing crack cocaine. I didn't know that. Why would you say of course ha- Steve Earle? Have you here? listened to his music? It's just, it is just down earthy, so- southern, come on, baby. So, so, cause he's southern, he's doing crack cocaine. Don't call me out on that. You just have to look at the man to know that he is, he has wisdom thou from both ends of the earth you know yeah, what i'm from saying experience and yes all right yes. okay we'll, we'll go with that you can't be a moonshiner <laughs> if you haven't tried all the uppers and the downers uh, okay I, I need to listen to a little steve earl again i know i, I love steve earl. i i love steve earl too but i can't recall any any songs copperhead <laughs> road this okay thank Never you come back yes, to copperhead uh, with the bagpipes at the beginning? Okay, yeah. It, that it, song's more about moonshine. Yeah. He's got the Galloway girl. Yeah. Well, I took a stroll on the old long mark of the D-I-A-I-A. That was one of his, too. And a little girl in the flat downtown on a fine soft day. I-A. So I go. asked her, babe. Yeah, that's it. Go on. No, I can't. Continue. I don't remember the words. That was cool. I have never heard that song, I don't think. Maybe if I heard the actual version, I would recognize it. I would there you recognize go. it from that. But Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one, September 14th, 2005. Mm-hmm. Britney Spears gave birth to a baby boy by C-section. Spears and husband Kevin Federline had been taken to the UCLA Medical Center Santa Monica, Monica under police escort early in the morning. 2005. 2005. So she's got a 15-year-old right now. Yep. Have you heard... This is pre-shaved head Britney. Pre-shaved head. Yeah. <laughs> That's a P S H. Right. B, Not to be con- B P S H B. Afflicted with a P S A. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uvula. Stop it. <laughs> no. You know what's interesting though? Have you heard my daughter, Isabel? Which by the way, I'm gonna quick do that before I forget. Ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls. My daughter released a single that we worked on this summer. I had the pleasure of helping arrange and play instruments and do some fun studio work with this song. And it's called Dublin and it's Isabel Sky Meyer. Check it out because it's a really something I'm really proud of. I'm proud of her and I'm proud of what we did with the song. So. I don't know why she didn't have me sing that part. 
so glad I brought Just kidding. That <laughs> and that the was song. a it perfect little teaser for the song right there, Jared. That's I mean, right. in fact, he might not even have to listen to the song now. I'm going to put a cover video on YouTube with uh, that. I think. Oh, and speaking of video, she's going to have a video coming out um, shortly. But where was I going with that before that? I have no idea. You had mentioned something. Oh, my goodness. Britney Spears. Oh, Britney Spears. So my daughter told me that Britney Spears is now almost like uh, a prisoner in her in her own home and in her life. Have you heard about this? Why? Okay, she was diagnosed with some sort of mental disorder. Her father... Well, we knew that. Well, but get this, and I'm, I'm going to need to, before I get too into this, and I don't want to get sidetracked because I might have to buzz myself... <laughs> but so there's something going on where her dad controls her every move in her life right wow. now. And this is apparently, you know, and I, I when, when she first started telling me about it, I thought, no, that's not true. That's just somebody online saying something about Britney. But apparently it is sort of true. It's like a court order where he has to make all of her financial decisions, all of her management decisions, all of her career decisions, almost all of her life decisions. So she must not be married to the guy she had the kid with anymore. I have no idea. I don't follow Brittany closely, but she did recently post a short video of her doing home workouts. Yes. And she's like, I'm not able to work out in my gym because, and she goes, long story short, I lit a candle. It burnt my gym down. Oh boy. So... Well, maybe she is a danger to herself, but I find that that sort of thing, because that came on the heels of watching the Beach Boy documentary about how this psychiatrist did that with Brian Wilson for a while, basically Mm. was just in charge of his life because he had some sort of court order that dealt with his mental disorder. And it's amazing how much control people can yield wheeled away from somebody sure if that happens and eventually he was able to get his life back and i hope Brittany can too if that's a fact so yeah and that's a danger of getting too far into something you don't know a lot about but anyway you mentioned Brittany. maybe that's something for a later episode we discuss all more. matters music we didn't say that they were factual matters yeah. <laughs> we're pretty sure it's somewhat factually based anyway so. <laughs> that's what i got for yeah, on this day in music that's it be sure to check out thisdayinmusic.com for all the fun stuff. They also do birthdays, um, and you can pick any day. There's a little drop-down box. You can pick a day and uh, figure out. I like to do it. check out my birthday and see what happened on that. Oh, um, It's a cool website. It's well, a, now you told outsiders they don't need to listen to you anymore. They can just That's okay. That, so. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, that's not okay, but that's okay. Yeah, baby, I'd like to think it's a little more fun when we can sort of ping it back and forth a little bit. Start talking about Britney. Britney. And her uvula. I don't want to talk about Britney's uvula. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to move right along here. And um, I'm going to start something. Oh, that- wait. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we decided we were just going to focus on this one little story here that <laughs> I have. Um, and it's cool. So it went along with... Uh, I, I was kind of looking up some cool, it, it basically um, amongst the research that I had done when we talked about the crazy tour writers yeah. and we talked about Van Halen and the, the brown M&Ms. Yeah. Okay. Well, out of all of that, I found out the yeah. reason they put the brown M&Ms. Oh, there's a reason. The writer. Got it. Is because they wanted to make sure that all the venues were paying close attention and reading the entire writer. 
So they would throw in obscene demands like only brown M&Ms in the, in the dressing rooms to make sure that they saw because, listen yeah. to this, because yeah. it was crucial that a few things were met, including the venue had to make sure the stage could withhold the weight of all of their equipment while they were performing. So they had to spec it out, have been an engineer, check. And this was for Van Halen. Van Halen. I like the way you said the the entire rider. The entire rider. rider. I like that. Well, this, thank you. This makes more sense. Keep going. So they they got some backlash, I guess, from different venues because um, one venue left one brown M&M. In a in a bowl in the dressing room. So what does a Van Halen do? They trash the dressing room. Oh, like, oh you're gonna make fun of our things. Where's that coming from? <laughs> we got a guest on our show today, ladies and gentlemen. We would like to introduce. <laughs> That's your buzzer app. That was my buzzer app. Oh my goodness! And I can't make it shut up. Okay. <laughs> I guess there will be no more buzzers for today. No more, Mr. Buzzer. <laughs> no more, Mr. Freeze. Sorry about that. We might not even, you know, if that was Facebook Live, it'd stay in. It might just stay in now. So. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. So continuing off the brown M&M, we had, no, <laughs> Just listen. had to make sure it was working. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the Go brown ahead. M&M. So after that, yeah. another venue in Colorado didn't read the entire rider, yeah. didn't prepare the stage. So upon loading the equipment onto the stage, the the stage actually fell through. Oh. And all of their equipment fell into this stage. What? Imagine if they were performing and that had happened. So the issue with the equipment crashing through the stage, that happened after people were they were already doing the brown m&m thing yeah m&m and m&m they thing put, they they put the m&m and m&m thing in yeah. there good lord <laughs> turning this thing off uh no more buzzers leave us alone go away doesn't that just drive you crazy when technology is taking yeah, over here I in the you. studio sorry about that that's folks. okay here we go so imagine okay so i think it was something like eighty thousand pounds or something like that yeah but, uh, yeah, just imagine mm-hmm. if, the, if the stage were to have held for a short time and they went to perform that night and just the added weight of, like, all the members and whatever. What if we lost Van Halen in this stage fall? So I'm kind of changing my tune with these tour riders. Like, that was a pretty smart move. Like, okay, if they didn't see the brown M&Ms, mm-hmm. what else did they not see? Maybe they didn't read the entire rider. You know? Yeah, I guess you could have somebody go, okay, listen, did you read the writer? These are the crucial points here that we need to make sure are covered, like the weight of the stage or whatever. Yeah. But, so that is why they wrote the M&Ms in there. Yeah. Is to make sure that it was read thoroughly. Well, it it does make you think differently about it because it's not just them being eccentric. But on the other hand, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it makes you think, well, if you've got a venue... And they've got an issue as serious as specking out a stage to yeah. make sure it can handle the weight of their performance. And then on the other extreme, you got a brown M&M. I, I could see where that can help clarify if people are paying attention, but that doesn't guarantee that your stage isn't going to fall in, unfortunately, because right. that happened right. even with doing that. So there probably had to be something 
even further to address whether or not, especially with the stage, yeah, wouldn't you have somebody you think that go would be in its and, own its own section? Yeah, like of, a separate thing. Like, let's okay. talk about the stage real quick. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Anyways, so that led me on to kind of the story we're going to talk about today. I was kind of focused on Van Halen, and and then this story came about, <clears throat> and it's not. T- necessarily about van halen yeah but it's narrated this interview is from david lee roth um and it took place in the 70s when they were touring with black sabbath and i pretty much have just titled this one ozzy is missing oh okay so here we are that launching into ozzy's missing that's right i don't know why we keep coming back to black sabbath ozzy but this was a really good one i didn't want to pass it up so we're gonna go for it <clears throat> okay fascinating Yes, it is. It's the late 70s now, okay? okay? And uh, we've got... Fascinating. Listen now. This is going to be really good. I'm with you. Listen, I, can children. Can I take a nap? Listen. Are you doing this? Yeah, sure. I'm not really talking to you. Eat anyways. my banana while I'm doing this. Two, I think arguably two of the world's most popular rock bands touring together, Black Sabbath, and then surprisingly Van Halen opening for Black Sabbath. And this is, like I said, during the David Lee Roth era, not to be mistaken for Sammy Hagar. Okay. 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 I don't mistake those two usually. That's a hard thing to but, do. Yeah. Of course, now being this in the 70s, mm-hmm. what was the number one fuel for fire? What was the fuel for most rock bands during that time? What was the fuel for fuel. fire in the 70s for most rock bands? Um, I don't know. It like, is a substance. Oh, that kind of fuel for fire. Well, what else do you well, think we're talking we about? Going back to cocaine again? Yes, cocaine, she Marty. You don't like, you don't like, you don't, don't like cocaine. cocaine. Can you believe how popular that song became? Well, then he had to change it. She don't, because it was, they, they said it wasn't good. <clears throat> it was like, I think it, it originally said she don't mind, she don't mind, she don't mind cocaine. Okay. Yeah, and then they changed it to she don't like, she don't like. She oh, don't I like never cocaine. realized that. Yeah, I'm. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. Maybe on a mini episode coming up, we can kind of talk about that. Or a maybe bit. I can just Make ignore you and start looking it up right here. That's fine. I mean, that's <laughs> what you do anyways. Let's <laughs> go. Word you. No, really, a quick comment for that, and then I'll, I'll get you back on track. I could not believe, and of course, this was back. You know, age myself again in the early '80s. Touring around with a rock band, um, you know, not U.S. tour, but state tour, whatever. But everybody, everywhere you went, always requested the song Cocaine. Really? And we were kind of stubborn back then. We just kind of decided we weren't going to play Cocaine because everybody was playing Cocaine and everybody requested it. And I I look back now and I think, well, that was kind of silly. We should have just learned cocaine and made people happy when they requested or even do like start a song and then towards the end like quickly go into like a chorus of cocaine people would have gone up i had that same experience with sweet home alabama okay i don't know what it is but people were like sweet home and i was like no man like i i want to i i'm capable of more yeah but i'm looking back i'm like so they they wanted to hear me play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Sweet Home Alabama. You play it a hundred million times. Yeah, but they wanted me to play it. That's a that's a beautiful thing. That's yeah. kind of, quite the yeah. compliment. So well, I feel the same way. It seems silly now looking back. I'm like, that was just kind of being. You know, your age, you change your attitudes about things. 
things, but oh man, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we had it. We would have taken us how long to learn the song? Okay, okay, right, right, right. Go on. Go on. So, in an interview with David Lee, Lee Roth, mm-hmm. um, he recalls a time when they, during that tour where they were touring with Black Sabbath, and him and Ozzy were getting high off of Krell. Now, Krell. They kind of... It's like a fish, isn't it? Well, listen now. <laughs> okay. Krell is a term that Roth and Ozzy coined for cocaine, and they had gotten the the name, I don't know if maybe you've seen it, uh, from the old 50 science fiction movie, uh, Forbidden Planet. I have heard of that, and I probably saw it, but I can't say that I recall it. Well, the Krell vividly. was the the people, the like the extinct people or the inhabitants of oh, this planet, and okay. they called them the Krell. Okay. So they, I guess, because you probably don't want to go around being like, "Hey, I, uh, you want to go shoot some cocaine or whatever? Yeah, you want to go shoot some crack? They probably like, "Hey, what about that Krell, man?" And everybody's like, "What's Krell?" That's, Must be this organic. That's what the hip guys would that say. They're eating. Yeah. Let's shoot. Let's shoot some crack. Let's shoot some. I don't know. Obviously, I don't do that. So I don't know if you shoot it, you snort it, whatever. I don't know. Okay. 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 So rather than being obvious that they were about to go on a little cocaine foray, they'd say Krell. Yeah. Okay. Gonna... So how would they say it? They'd say. I don't know how they would say it, but they would. They 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 would use that term Krell. When they were like, you want to do that? Yo, Oz, you want to crack open some krell? Yo, Oz, you want to? Well, how would David Lee Roth say it? Hey, Oz, you want to crack open some krell? Ow! That's what he'd say. (laughs) That was beautiful. (laughs) Thank thank you. (laughs) Mr. Roth, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. So, like rock stars do, Roth and Ozzy stayed up all night partaking in krell and boozing Mm -hmm. on to the morning this this one fine occasion. Um, they are billed to play Nashville the next day. They're staying in a, in a hotel um, in, in Memphis, and they have to make it to Nashville. And so Roth recalls, and this is a quote from him from this interview, he recalls rolling over and calling out to Ozzy, hey, Oz, wake up's in like 30 minutes. I've got to go clean up. Okay. So they must have crashed out together in their hotel room doing all the fun stuff they were doing. Right. And then Roth was like, Dude, I got a jet. Make sure you're ready to go. <clears throat> and Ozzy did not respond. I'm sure he's like, eh. I'm sure there was little response, or there was. Sharon. I don't know. There, there was wow. my. That was my Ozzy. So we got Ozzy and David covered, ready to go. So David Lee Roth heads for the bus, uh-huh. and it drives from Memphis, um, where they'd partied to Nashville. Okay. And they check into their hotel during this time in the '70s. Most of the, there was like, we have it today, but this was kind of the start of when chain hotels started to to happen. So like Marriott's. Right. And these Marriott hotels all looked identical. Right. Okay. And and there's even a, there was even a uh, quote from Roth saying, we stayed in one of those Marriott-like hotels, you know, with the balcony. Um, It was like a McDonald's. They all looked the same. Okay. Right. So they check into this hotel in Nashville. And, um, you know, he makes note that it looks identical to the hotel that they stayed in Memphis. And um, David recalls that it was around noon when they arrived. And so um, he went straight up to his room, crashed to rest up. They were playing a sold out show that night. Okay. And so. Of course it's sold out. It's 
Black Sabbath Black Sabbath. and oh, wait, this was Ozzy solo or was this no, this, this Black was Sabbath. Black Sabbath. This was okay. Black Sabbath. Yep. Got it. Got it. <clears throat> yep. This was uh when Van Halen was very young in their career. Right. Uh, yeah. Right, right. So fast forward now to that evening of the show. Mm-hmm. The bands are kind of back in the what do you want to call it? The green room, the dressing rooms hanging out. You can call it the green room or the Krell room. The Krell room. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And so it said that there was it was ten thousand people, it was a sold out show. Um and in walks boys from Black Sabbath with horrifying looks on their face. Uh-oh. And they quote, Ozzy hasn't shown up. We're not even uh, we're not even sure he checked in the hotel. We can't find him anywhere. We can't do the show. Yeah, it'd be a little hard. So your minutes instrumental the show, Black Sabbath, yeah. Yeah. Your minutes before the show and your front man, mm-hmm. who everybody goes to see, mm-hmm hasn't shown knowing ozzy and what we've discussed before (laughs) about his career i wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't the first time maybe that that happened you you might not be this may have been the start of it yeah because everyone freaked out sure okay sure um reports were made he uh to the police he was he was considered missing at this time um, everybody was kind of on high alert. They were worried that he was kidnapped or that he, because at that time, obviously at that time he was struggling with um, boozing a lot, drinking a lot. Sure. So they were worried that he had found himself in a situation and maybe even was dead, laying dead somewhere. Sure. And they, and they couldn't Land find him. in the him. gutter somewhere. Right. Like we, and they other... even went as far as thinking maybe possibly murder. Oh, somebody got a hold of Ozzy. Wow, the heads are spinning there, wondering what happened to Ozzy in his in his uh, quest for fun. His quest, <laughs> his little his little his quest adventure. For contact. Ozzy's on a little adventure, and maybe he got murdered, or maybe he's dead. Right, uh, right. Wow. So they start. I mean, obviously, it's <clears throat> it's T minus whatever to show Van Van Halen has to go on. So they're trying to figure out how are they going to make it through this night. And, uh, yeah. you know, so Black Sabbath is like, hey, David, can you can you sing can you sing our songs tonight? Oh, and, this takes uh, another twist. Well, it doesn't go any further than that. He okay. goes, sorry, boys, I don't know the lyrics. I'm not about to go there. Wouldn't that have been fun, though? I could imagine. That probably would have been cool. But that's not, that's not okay. David. I mean, David Lee Roth and Ozzy, as far as their stage presence, are total opposites. You've got the Prince of Darkness, yeah. and then you've got flamboyant David Lee Roth, you know, party boy, girl girl magnet. Him singing about, you know. Yeah. Finish with my woman because she couldn't help me with my mind. Ow! You do it. However, I... <laughs> <laughs> but however, they are both... You, one of the words you said does qualify for both of them a bit flamboyant Flambo- they're both a little was flamboyant Ozzy in a flamboyant different way or but- did he just flap around like i just remember watching a, a live show of ozzy and he just like flapped his arms around well like, that like he was having a mental issue you know he's just flapping well i just looked it up and it says flamboyant flapping your arms around yeah okay google girl <laughs> no but i am gonna look at whose side are you on google girl <laughs> um i i would it says a person tending to attract attention because of their exuberance, 
confidence and stylishness. So I think that would, yeah. If his style but is they were both flamboyant in different ways. Okay. But yeah, right, certainly. Uh, you win again. <laughs> no, just be proud that I'm. That. Be proud that I'm using these rather large I am, words, descriptive words. Yeah, I am. I'm impressed that you use that word and you used it correctly. Thank you. Go on. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So, so they're to the point where he says, no, I don't know the lyrics. I, I don't can't know. sing the songs. What do you do at that point? Yeah. What do you do? I guess you just have Van Halen take the whole show, right? Well, I mean, Black I'm, Sabbath could rock on and do an instrumental, but people are going to go, the, uh, where's Ozzy? Yeah. I don't know the time frame of everything. And I'm wondering if maybe Van Halen wasn't as big as Black Sabbath at the time. Sure. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there because they do end up canceling the show. Oh my. Okay. So they cancel That's the show the yeah. and they have to refund the whole night. Wow. 10,000 people back in the 70s. That's a lot. Oh, and that's a lot of money. That's costly. So yeah. it's rough. At this point, it's very rough. And they're wondering, how are they going to go on? And so all the boys, Van Halen and the remaining members of Black Sabbath, they head back to their hotel, their Marriott-style-like hotel um, mm -hmm. in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting around and they're bumming. Black Sabbath's in the lobby going, what are we going to do? We got to be so, we got to be at this city tomorrow night and we have no idea where Ozzy is. This tour is over. Yeah. In walks Ozzy. <laughs> Ozzy steps off the elevator like nothing happened. Greets the boys. What's going on? So this is the, <laughs> this is the story from the perspective of Ozzy now. Okay. Being extremely hungover, mm -hmm. still high, probably still a bit intoxicated, um, he found his way. He ended. He did end up going to the new hotel, but upon entering the lobby, he puts his hand in his pocket and pulls out a key card. Yeah. Key card for the last hotel that he was in. They're identical hotels, so he thinks, awesome, I've got my room number, I've got my key card, he's going to... Do what David did, go up and crash for a bit. Yeah. So he gets on the elevator, heads to his room. It Wait, just so where the, when they crashed prior to this, the two of them, they were in Memphis. Okay. In a hotel, a similar like a Marriott style hotel where they're the same okay. in Memphis. But they had made it onto the bus. So he did end up making it over okay. to Nashville. Got it. Stayed in a, the same hotel in Nashville. Right. Okay. He still has a key card. It's Ozzy. He's yeah. probably drunk yeah. as a skunk and, and just kind of rolling in. Yeah. So he makes it up to what he thinks is his hotel room. Yeah. There's a maid cleaning his room. And so he bursts open the door and he's like screaming. And the maid says, like, he yelled out, uh, I've got a quote here. What did he yell? He just yelled out, get out of here. Okay. You know, so he's, so he's shooing her off. He passes out. Okay. He passes out for the entire night. Oh, so she leaves show. and just... Oh, she's gone, yeah. yeah. He, well, he, it must have looked like, hey, this is, this my, is my room. room. Yeah. Get the hell out. How's she to know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he kicks the maid out and uh, passes out and sleeps through the entire show. And, and no. they can't find him in his room, obviously, because he's not in his room. So, right. Yeah. And they're looking for him. Police are called. I mean, they're suspecting some, some wow. uh, trouble was had, but... So that's the story mm -hmm. of the one time Ozzy went missing. There's newspaper articles in the, uh, what they call it, the Tennessean newspaper uh -huh. Uh -huh. talking about this. So 
it doesn't. The story doesn't end there. So the Aussie's back. Well, they have to make up the show now. So they have to tour back around. So okay. they go on for like seven days straight touring different cities, and then come make it back to Nashville to make up for the show. Okay. And David Lee Roth described it as it was like a record for them to play seven shows or seven or eight shows in in each in a different city every night. So they were like every night they were on the tour bus, which wow. doesn't is not uncommon, I guess nowadays, yeah, but yeah. maybe back then that mm. was pretty rough. Yeah. And, um, I guess it was a sold out show, uh, when they came back again. Um, but people were like, it's, it's crazy eccentric. They, they, they definitely made up for it. And then one new news article that I read said that, uh, if, if they would have just started the show, Maybe Ozzy would have heard, oh, and would have woken up because the, the hotel was like next to the stadium or close by, and okay. they were like Van Halen should have just went on, and he probably would have been like, oh no, I don't know. I wonder, <laughs> I, I wonder if he was. Uh, but that was an interesting thing. One of the wow. articles had said. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, it, and it, like I said, it doesn't completely surprise you, and yet not with, with, not with some of those uh, factors that came into play, uh, that makes it a little more interesting, too. And I wonder if it did happen. I might have to check that out to see if it happened more often than that. Because how else would he, you, you know, if you're going to go in the room and you know that you're also, that's a pretty big responsibility yeah. to show up for a show with thousands of people to be there. You'd think you would have quick call the desk. You know, be somewhat cognizant enough to call the desk and say, "Give me a wake up call." Not Ozzy, you know, not Ozzy. Not, not Ozzy. He's just like, ah, "I'll wake up. It'll be fine." Well, you know, he did get fired from Black Sabbath yeah. at some point in time, <laughs> so maybe this was uh, leading up to other contributing factors. Sure, for that decision. Sure. So, and that. Uh, so I guess you just you just said that it'd be interesting to look look into if that happened more often. It would be interesting to see other stories of kind of this similar occasion where a superstar didn't show up for their show. You're right. Other artists as you well. You hear yeah. about it all the time, like uh, Guns N' Roses, um, Axl Rose. He one time delayed a show so long that, that people were just pissed. And he just was he was making a point to be like, the show doesn't start until I arrive. Oh, And gosh. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. That's just it's, it. a, it's a privilege to yeah. be having a career yeah. where that's what you do and people like what you do. You don't yeah. go and say that you're God and, and the show doesn't start until I until I arrive. No. You know, that's just uh, from a peon like myself who, who would love to be in that position. I knew you were going to laugh at that. <laughs> Jared. I love to hear when artists are like, my fans are the most important thing to me. Yeah. I want to make sure that I make it right with them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, kind of like what the what Van Halen and Black Sabbath did, like made the concert up, worked even harder to make sure that they made up for what they had lost. Um, so I hate hearing when yeah. it's the other way around. Well, and I think generally speaking, most artists do recognize that and really do appreciate their fans. But on occasion, and you get so many different flamboyant personalities, but <laughs> lots of egos and a lot of a lot of other uh, contributing factors like alcohol and krell and all of those krell. things as well. But yeah, I, I agree with you there, a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. right on. That's what I got, and uh, that wraps up here for outside the mic. Stay tuned; we've got a mini episode coming up uh, next week, 
Thanks for joining us once again, Outsiders. Make sure to check us out at OutsideTheMic.com, Outside the Mic on YouTube, and all your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Give us a like and share. Thanks, Outsiders. 